Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for uh, making your way here, checking out the series. Hopefully you like what you hear enough to subscribe. We put out three new interviews every single week. It's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can find us at all the usual spots, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Rhiannon Giddens. I'm always so happy to catch up with her. She's got a brand new record called They're Calling Me Home. It's her latest project with Francesco Teresi and finds her, an American, and him, an Italian, searching for the meaning of home while they've been sort of stuck. They, they live there, but they're stuck in Ireland uh, with the lockdown. They can't actually go back to their native homes. So Rihanna and I are, are going to talk about the old folk tunes that populate the album, what they still say in today's climate. Uh, she writes about the fabled city Avalon in a beautiful song. There's also the, uh, the cross-section of their multicultural music. I, I kind of want to know if there is a cross-section, rather, what that is. Because, again, what we're talking about is American, Italian, and Irish all playing together in such a perfect way on this record when it's not an obvious, you know, three cultures to put together musically to come out with such a, an easy listening recipe. So we're going to get into that as well. And then she's also going to tell us about the, uh, the possibility of another record with Our Native Daughters. That's uh, uh, Rhiannon Giddens with uh, Amethyst Kia, uh, Layla McCalla, and Allison Russell, as well as her upcoming opera, which has already been pushed back and pushed back and now once again, has been pushed back with the pandemic. So let's get into this, talking about this record. They're calling me home. It's Kyle Meredith with Rhiannon Giddens. Hi. Oh, that's very nice intro. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. Uh, I always love what you do. We've we've loved what you do all the way back, you know, to the chocolate drops early days. And, and you've always kept it interesting. And that's what you're doing once again with this new record. They're calling me home. Um, a bit of a, I guess, a dual play title right there because, because, as, as as I read, you know, this was inspired by, of course, what we've gone through in the past year with the uh, global pandemic, which is not the sexiest um, theme for writing, 
But if you're going to find a way to tackle it, I guess traditional folk songs and uh, and the ilk would be a great way to do that. Yeah. Is that did it come about naturally? Did you say, oh, this makes sense? How did it happen? Yeah, it was it was very kind of organic, which is kind of the way I work. I'm not too much into like trying to force something or let's do this thing. And now we have to find stuff that fits it. You know, uh, we were doing streams and pre-records and things just kind of trying to keep things going as best we could and stay connected to audiences as best we could and we were just dying trying to do the songs that we'd been doing on stage i was just like this is not you know working and so we had been kind of playing through some of these old songs like i was finding them very comforting you know and so i was just like let's just start putting these in the streams and it was just so nice to you know think about some of these things in in a way that's more connecting to sort of you know overall humanity like it's not it's not just about us, you know, like it never is. But it's this is a particularly good time to remember that. And so that felt so good. I was just like, let's just go in the studio and make something. And I don't know if anybody will want it or I don't know if the label will be interested, but let's just go make something with these songs. And I'm so glad that we did. We kind of found a little a little uh, gutter between two lockdowns, you know, <laughs> that fit us going into the studio for a week. And yeah, it was it was amazing. Uh, the way it turned out, it, it is powerful. And knowing so much about history, uh, musical history as you do, like, am I wrong by saying that there were probably more songs about death pre-pop standards days than there were about love and the way there are now? Because it feels like that. Well, there's, there's just a lot of, there's a, I mean, love and death are pretty much, I think, perennial you know, or centennial or whatever. I think they're, you know, I think they've been with us for a very, very long time. But, you know, a lot of those old folk songs, they are, they don't end well. They might start with love and they end in death, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I, I think that there's something about kind of reveling in the darkness and sort of just embracing that aspect of life. Um, because for a lot of people, it was unavoidable. We, we tend to be, we tend to forget how privileged we are. You know, we're so we're, you know, and I say we as in like, there's a certain, you know, there's a cer certain peop like class of people in the world who, who are living on pretty much, you know, our futures <laughs> elements, you know, we're taking all the oil and everything so that we can have running hot water and, you know, really thick, um, fancy coffins for people that we never see, you know, like we, we, we just not, we're not really, um, we don't, we don't have to confront death in a way that a lot of other people in the world do and, and that our ancestors did, you know, for, for generations and generations. So I think it's really, you know, it's a moment where I think everybody's kind of realizing, oh, we're not actually that special. Right. <laughs> you know, we're, you know, it's like, we're like everybody else. And I think that's really important actually, because then if we act like it a little bit more, you know, maybe we can make some po more positive changes, I think. There's some optimism, I think, that you have that I'm just hoping I have at some point, too, because I know we need a kick in the face occasionally. <laughs> you got to fake it till you make it sometimes, you know, <laughs> with the hope thing. <laughs> and I don't want to make light, of course, of what you're singing about here and, and what has happened over the past year, four years, thousands of years, whatever, because um, I, I do say some of this a little tongue-in-cheek as I have before, but there's, you know, some very beautiful but serious moments happening in this. And when you look back at the, when I listen back to these these songs that you've done, uh, especially the traditional ones, let's see, I Shall Not Be Moved, Black as a Crow, Waterbound, I know those are three of the, um, th three of the, of several of them. When you're singing them, I guess the obvious question is, what they said then, how do they speak to now? How exactly did they speak to this moment for you? Well, it's it really is that 
that kind of cyclical nature of human life, you know, and that it, for me, it's comforting to think of people like ancestors or just people who generations who've come before who've, who've dealt with these exact things. I mean, I was reading about the town of Eam in England back in the Black Day, Black Death days, you know, the, the plague that was happening. And they realized they'd been sent something from London that had the plague on it. And they and they alone had it in their region, like it hadn't reached this region of England. So they went on lockdown. They basically went into lockdown like like we are now everybody to their own house have to deal with their own stuff like this one woman had to like bury six of her children and her husband herself because they were you know they were that serious about saving other people outside of their town and i was just kind of thinking like none of this is new not any of it you know and it's just like it's actually comforting to go people you know did know what to do in some instances they did think selflessly they did think of their fellow man. And I'm like, all right, so let's just kind of like dig into that a little bit. I don't know. I, I, the, these songs really connect me in a real emotional way to history, you know, in, in a way that I do find very comforting because it just kind of, you know, it, it, it makes me go, we can't, you know, we have everything we need to figure this out. We, you know, we don't always let it happen, but we, we know we can do it, <laughs> you know? No, it's amazing how useful history can be. And that sounds like such a dumb, obvious statement in, in sort of a way. I, I find myself in those conversations a lot it, when you're just talking about general topics on the news, like, no, don't you remember that this happened in 92 or 77 or 43, you know, it's, yeah. it's we've done it. We know how yeah. it plays out. I mean, even look at like the flu pandemic, you know, for the, or they call it the Spanish flu or whatever, but it was like a multi-year pandemic and you see like, let's go outside, let's open the windows. Let's, I mean, you know, it's just like, okay, here we go. You know, you mentioned a town uh, that you were talking about there and there's another one that plays in here. And in fact, it's an original I read that you wrote uh, called Avalon, mm. which I knew what Avalon was, but I was re-looking all of that up and everything and, and, and what the translation or sort of a, a place to be saved and to recover. Yeah, is Avalon's one of those interesting kind of things that in my head, I mean, I wrote this song actually years ago and kind of sat on it. It was back in the chocolate drop days and we didn't use it for various reasons. And I sat on it and kind of brought it back and revamped the verses a little bit. Um, but, you know, my name is Welsh and so I've always been aware of sort of Arthurian legend and British and Welsh mythology. And like, there's this idea of, you know, Avalon being the place where the king is and he's going to come back. And I mean, so there's this, there's this real idea of it can stand for lots of, you know, lots of different things. But I think the main idea is like, we will meet again, kind of, you know, it's not even heaven. It's more like um, to a place where we are ourselves again you know i don't know it would and so that's kind of what it was in my mind this idea of it's all transient right this this moment that we're in this physical body that we have it, it's not going to preclude us from actually being together again when we've passed to the you know which is why it, it, it's so funny because the verses are so i mean i can't wait till the video comes out because it's like i'm so excited about it but you know the the verses on the surface are quite sad you know because it's about the kind of uh, transition that we sort of associate with death as a, as an ending, but it's actually really about a, another beginning, you know, and that's the emotional undercurrent. I mean, I, none of this I thought about when I wrote it, but now that I'm like listening to it and thinking about it and talking about it, I'm like, yeah, that's why I like this song because it does represent both of those sides, which I think that's, that's the way it is really. It is the moment, the the brightest moment, I guess, of hope I find in, in, in the album, and by the way, and it's beautiful. I mean, Thank the you. arrangement 
is just beautiful that you're doing on here. Thank you so much. Um, and, and I should bring up some of the music too, because it, again, you know, your musical partner, Francesco Teresi is part of this uh, Italian and, and you American, but you have this Irish thing going on in the Irish and Italian, like that doesn't seem like obvious musical bedfellows. Like what is the cross section there? What, what is, where, how do they meet? Well, I mean, Francesca and I have very similar approaches to music, even though none of what we do overlaps, like none of the instruments that I play that he plays, none of the, you know, geographical locations that we represent overlap at all, which is actually great because our approach is the same. And so that means that whatever we're doing has a chance to come together. And so I think we did that with the last record and it's, it's, it's on play a little bit more subtly here. It's just now we've kind of been to, you know, playing together for three years and there's a real organic kind of way that our musics go together. And then of course he's also homesick for Italy and, you know, just as I am for America. And then we've both been in Ireland for quite a long time and, and you know, me coming and going, but he's been here for 15 years. And so, yeah, there was just a lot of natural combos. And then a new one for me was in uh, Newell Tsumbu, who was one of our guest musicians. And he's also been in Ireland for a very long time, but he's from the Congo. And so there's this all this ideas of, you know, what is home? You know, we're all in Ireland as our new home, but we still miss our old home, but it doesn't mean we want to leave our new home. And what does that mean? And, you know, so the ideas of having all those aspects of our original homes, you know, represented in these so in some of these songs and you know, just complicating a little bit that idea. It's like home is not a simple notion at all, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I've definitely, you know, grappled with that more than I ever have in my life since I've been, you know, not able to go back to my home, my original home, um, and have really had to make a home here. Whereas usually my home was on the road, you know, so it's been a really interesting, really interesting thing. To be as knowledgeable as you are about the world of music and, and where it comes from and tracing the roots of music. I mean, that must be so fun when you do find the connection, like, you know, from, from what we know here in America and where that come from in Ireland. And, and again, how that's sort of like, does it ever feel a bit like a game in that way to you? Oh, I, it's delightful when that thing kind of pops up and you're like, Oh my God, this is a fascinating. Anything that complicates the narrative to me is like bullseye, you know, because it just talks about people. You know, it's like what people have been doing is always reflected in the music. And so when we can really pinpoint that and go, oh, this is because these people moved from here to here, or there was this one guy who moved to this village and then all of us, I mean, there's so many of those stories where like a whole genre of music will come because one person, you know, went somewhere and influenced a whole generation of players. So all of those kinds of things, I, I, yeah, they feel like this is, I don't watch Netflix, like, <laughs> or very rarely, you know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm thinking about. Like, 24 seven. So yeah, that's, that's when, you know, then Francesco's the same way. We're all just like, he'll, he'll send me a little something like, look what I found in this book. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's good to have somebody else who's as nerds out as hard as I do about it. Uh, and we, and we benefit, we benefit from it every single time. Well, I um, so. <laughs> quickly point out uh, just a couple uh, things real fast. Um, uh, one of the last projects you did songs for our, 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 our native daughters. Let's get that right. Um, <laughs> was so good and i just want to say i know that uh, a couple of the other daughters have been doing music too that we've been like if this were the regular times it feels like a perfect time for a joint tour and everybody does the thing i don't know do you guys talk about that oh man it be a follow-up is that is that part of it we've talked about a lot of things we 
would love to do another record. It's just a matter of, you know, figuring out, especially now, like, it's very hard to plan. You know, everybody's got their solo records coming out this year, which is amazing, actually, that it's all happening in one year, which is fantastic, which means maybe we can plan for another record, you know. Um, but it's just really hard to know because everything keeps getting moved and, you know, can we hold on to these two weeks to make another record? If, you know, somebody's tour gets, you know, it's just the, the spirit is willing, you know, whether, whether we can figure out the schedules within the next couple of years or, or not, you know, that's, that'll be, that remains to be seen, but we are all enamored with each other and what we did and we'd love to do it again. And that's never going to change. So it's hopefully just a matter of time. I hope so. And then there's uh, the opera that's still yet to premiere, right? Next year now? Yes. Next year now? Yes. So it's just the way it is, you know? It's um <laughs> this is the the deadline that never it, it it's never ending. It just keeps moving, which is I don't know how much you know, how much stuff you you make um uh in terms of like what kind of creative process you have, but deadlines are kind of really necessary for making stuff uh, as you would know for making your shows or whatever it's like as soon as you have a deadline you've got okay i got a wall to back up against so this is great as soon as that deadline moves you're like okay so i gotta do this thing now <laughs> you know, it's just oh it's it's such a creativity killer yeah. but um we're you know we're gonna we're gonna get it and it's gonna be awesome i can't wait i've been saying for two years but i can't wait <laughs> i still can't wait <laughs> Rhiannon, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Congratulations on this new record. It is powerful and beautiful. I love what you do. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see you back here on the uh, the homeland, the home grounds sooner than later. Soon as I can. Soon as I can. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Now I want to include uh, another interview that Rhiannon and I had done together. This goes all the way back to 2015. Uh, with her debut solo album. And back then, we were talking about the civic responsibilities of an artist, uh, the role of the protest song in 2015 at that moment, and the influence of uh, Nina Simone on that debut solo record. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Rhiannon Giddens. Thank you. You've got a great record. Thank you. Your first solo record. Yes. It's been built up to a lot. Yes. I think we all saw it coming, though. Oh, yeah? Uh, It feels like that. Mm -hmm. There's conversations that we would have, you know, the chocolate drops would be going out, and you're like... Mm -hmm. Love the Chocolate Drops. Fan of the Chocolate Drops. Wonder when she's going to do a solo record. Yeah. Like, was it always coming for you? Did you see that in the distance that you were going to be doing this I sooner mean, or later? Sure. I mean, I've, I started off as a vocalist. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to school for vocals. I've always been a singer. Instruments came later in my life. So um, I always knew that someday I wanted to do a vocal record. But, like, I was so focused on the Chocolate Drops. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't really want to pull focus from the Chocolate Drops, you know? So I always kind of... We always kept my singing to a piece of it right you know so it didn't become like me and the backup cho- drops mm-hmm. you know um, which ironically is kind of what it is now but <laughs> my name is in the front now that's the difference i didn't want when it's the carolina chocolate drops it's a band right and it needs to stay that way because that's the point of it is that mm-hmm. it's an ensemble um so i always knew kind of well one day but i was so focused on ccd that you know i didn't know i did it was gonna it was basically gonna take t-bone Burnett kind of giving me this shove right you know to do this so Thank God for T-Bone Burnett. Yeah. (laughs) So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. 
There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. You mentioned being a vocalist. You know, that's something I've been curious about because uh, I won't say it's two completely different type of things, but separating them for the purpose of this, you have a person who's a singer-songwriter per se, and then you have an interpreter. Yeah. Uh, And I I guess I think you, at least on this record, while you do write, you know, there's there's one original on here. One original. Yeah, and I know you write other times, but... But it's you interpreting, right? Mm-hmm. So what becomes the focus at that point? Is it just giving a good performance? Is it trying to make it your own and unique? I mean, what is it for you that you are that you need to stamp on this and focus on when you're doing someone else's songs? Uh, I do, like, I think coming to this as an opera singer, you know, an ex-opera singer, and as a traditional, you know, ballad singer, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really always about the song, you know, because... I think that's the way it always has to be. Once you start, I mean, there's this, there's this idea in theater of playing the punchline. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing a funny, a funny scene, you know, you do the line, you wait for the beat, the audience laughs. But you have to play the line. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't play it to get the laugh. Right. You just have to, you have to be in the line. And if you do it right, they'll laugh. Right. So there's that faith in your interpretation of the line. And it's, I think that's the way it is in, in music. It's like... You have to play the song. You have to inhabit the song. You know, for me, it's always about what is the story? What is, what's, what am I trying to communicate? Am I doing that? That's the point, you know? And then I want to make it my own, sure, but if I, if I play the story right and I'm around the right musicians and I'm with the right producer, then I don't have to worry about that stuff. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen the way it needs to, but I want to make sure I'm communicating with, you right. know, you, the listener, whoever is is on the other side. Me personally, you know. I yeah, will take you that personally. I sing everything to you. Um, well, my dreams just, are done. I'm good. <laughs> thank you. Good night. <laughs> but you know, I, I really like. For me, it's not about me. Right. It's about the song. You know, always. Yeah. I love that parallel, just with, with the comedian and everything. Uh, I, I say this, and you have you've done this great record. Um, Tomorrow is my turn, and and that line. Tomorrow is my turn. What's, give it to me. I'm going to ask the question. What's the meaning right there? Well, you know, we decided to name the record after that song, mostly because it's kind of the emotional linchpin of the record. You know, mm-hmm. there was this YouTube video of Nina Simone doing it that I was, like, watching obsessively over and over again. And just that whole idea of where she was and, like, what she was able to do, what she wasn't able to do. Like, mm-hmm. thinking about, you know sort of dreams deferred for a lot of people and so I we knew very well when we named the record after that song that that was going to be a question you know is this about you and right. tomorrow's your turn and I was like I hated that because it's not this really isn't I'm just like so not into that stuff you know I'm not into if I could take myself out of everything I was like do I really stance tomorrow is yeah I was like do we really have to put my picture on the record right. I mean I was seriously fought that you know it's just like I hate sort of being in it you know it's when it's really about the music but it was like it was a strong enough connection to me to Mm. to weather 
to weather that. And on the subject of Nina, uh, isn't it great that she's getting another heyday, you know, another day in the sun? Uh, I mean, the documentary spurred so much conversation that it yeah. looks like that movie's being pushed through that's been setting out there for five years. Although I'm thinking maybe you don't want that to happen. <laughs> I... I know, I know her daughter was very much kind of against the movie. I don't know anything about the movie other than the it exists. The casting disturbed yeah. me a lot yeah. um, because there's so many issues around race and um, appearance and color within, you know, uh, the, in the black community, particularly with women. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was a big issue for me. So I just kind of, that's all I know and that's all I will say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that Nina Simone obviously always is going to deserve as much ink as can be written about her and as much conversation as can be talked about her because she was a singular, you know, American artist and a genius mm-hmm. and, you know, was one of the ultimate interpreters of, you know, I just found an aria, like an opera aria that she did, really? you know, yeah. in, in a jazz way. And it was just because I'm looking at doing that sort of thing. And I was like, she did it first. Of course she did, you yeah. know, because she did all of that stuff. It was amazing. I, this is probably an, a really unfortunate seg. Um, I'm listening to Nina a lot lately with mm-hmm. the whole thing. And of course, she has some of these great uh, protest songs or, or politically based songs. And you think how unfortunate it is that it makes sense right now mm-hmm. when you listen to Mississippi Goddamn, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a handful of the others, actually. And, and you're going, Welp, I could play this at any time, you know. Yeah. Uh, you yourself have come out with a song that's based on Charleston mm-hmm. and everything else. You know, when we look at the times that she wrote those, and we always talk about them in the history books of being so much about turmoil and, and the race clash and everything else. And I don't know. I look around and I go, things are supposed to change when you look at the history books like that. Yeah. When they're like, and this happened, and then we did it. And then everybody was good. And, and it, I, don't, I don't feel that. Well, the thing is, like, this is where somebody like me comes into the conversation. Because, you know, you go back to the civil rights era and you go, yeah, it's amazing how so many things haven't changed. But I'm like, hey, let's go back to the generation before that. Let's go back to the generation before that. And you see, like, the through line of things not changing for hundreds of years. Now, granted, there's a lot of things that are much better. Yeah. My life today is a much better life than my life 100 years ago. Like, I acknowledge that freely. But some of the things that continue to power the you know there's there's these things on the surface like that are happening with shootings and all mm-hmm. you know all this kind of stuff but underneath that's what's not changing is this sort of like poisonous sort of you know boil that yeah. needs to be lanced but the thing is that nobody wants to look at that boil they just want to look at the stuff that's happening on the top and going well surely we can fix this by doing xyz and it's like as long as that boil is still there the next generation is just going to poison it in a different way so it's just like Without knowing the history and without really looking at the way this country was built, mm-hmm. the way it was founded, the way the economy, where the economy came from, until we look at that with a really clear... And here's the thing. Here's the important thing is don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people take this stuff personally and it's like, yeah, this stuff happened so long ago and you're reaping the benefits of it, you know, and just be okay with it. Just be like, it doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. It doesn't make you a terrible you know, demon, it's just like, it's just acknowledgement of how the system is skewed and why it's skewed is like huge. And if I just want to get there, because <laughs> if we don't get there, yeah. you know, and it's the same in the black communities, like acknowledgement for me, it's like acknowledgement of how the system is skewed and how we have overcome so many times, you know, and how, you know, now so many people in the, in the dominant, you know, 
culture are going are starting to recognize. I mean, there's a lot of really good people in the world, mm-hmm. and it's just matching up knowledge, and you know all of all of that goodness. And like, let's let's do something together. I like that positive spin know? on it because I see a bunch of people out supporting Trump and putting him in the uh, lead of the polls on that side, yeah. and feeling like you know we're in some much less. Um, literal bloody battle of a civil war that's happening in the country right now and going oh can we get there there's a lot of us that want to get there i'm telling you it's coalitions it's coalitions community and that's why i I talk about the positiveness of it because we cannot get bogged down in the negativity we cannot go because then they win yeah you know they're more organized in that way than we are because their narrative is simpler so we have a harder job because we go we see the complexities we see the difficulties and it's not like X, you know, one plus one equals two for mm-hmm. us. It's like one one squared plus two y <laughs> equals three z. You know, but that's the reality of it. And so we have to figure out a way to get organized around that reality and not let this sort of simple narrative that's false mm-hmm. but is easy to rally around. We can't let that defeat what we're trying to do. But in doing that, we have to recognize the goodness in each other and pull each other around. You know, and, right. and form this group. Right. You know, of of you know, be like the Roman soldiers with the, with the shields, you know? We have to all be together. <laughs> There's a hole, then that arrow is going to come through, you know? Oh, I like to believe it. I really, really do. Yeah. I used to ask uh, artists if, uh, if, uh, if, uh, if they thought a song could change the world, and I would get all these mixed answers all the time, and I feel like the question I should have been asking was, how can a song change the world? Like, like again, you, you wrote a song for Charleston. I don't know if that was meant to try to change something or to just that you were so frustrated it, it cost you to put pen to paper, you know, but, or, or maybe a song like We Rise, mm-hmm. you know, is that written to say, yes, this can push it forward and eventually down the line, you can change the world. Well, it's like, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Yeah. I feel the same way with songs. Songs don't change anything. They inspire people to change things. Yeah. Music is incredibly important. Art is incredibly important. It's like one of the most fundamental aspects of the human experience and i think our job as artists is to make is to take the emotion that's in here you put it into a song and then somebody else reacts to that emotionally and it you know i think i i've been inspired to do things by listening to music you know so i think that that is that is what we're here to do is to inspire you know and and i I really feel like it's a responsibility now now whatever you feel it's about everybody doesn't have to say something about charleston but you know i think that that is I, I think it gets forgotten, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it's important to make a living, absolutely. I got my bills to pay like everybody else, but there is a higher service, mm-hmm. you know, as an artist. I really I really feel that strongly, I really do. You know, it's service to the community and it's service to the higher good and it's service to the, you know, to the genius that's in everybody. Yeah. You know, it's making that connection. It feels like, and again, maybe I say this unfortunately, it's a really ripe time to be a folk artist, uh, especially when you're talking about protest songs or something like that. Unless you're talking about exposure, in which case it's a terrible time to be a folk artist. (laughs) You know what I mean? When you look at like the 60s, you know, stuff was on radio, people were blah, 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 Mm -hmm. but now it's kind of like... Well, we have public radio. Well, no, I mean, which is very important, but (laughs) But I'm talking... Yeah, it's not the mainstream. In terms of being, you know, numbers being reached, you know, folk folk music is still, has been relegated really to the, you know, to the sort of the sidelines. And this is where social media comes in. But then you start thinking, you know, are we just preaching to the choir here? Are we just like... You know, you know, we just yeah. kind of talking to each other a lot and going, oh, patting each other. Oh, it's well, a nice protest song. You know, I agree with you 100%. Meanwhile, like the rebels out here, like they're not getting any of it. Yeah. That's my concern. I guess I see, you know, like. I don't mean rabble. I just mean. 
But like, you, I mean, know, you know, you'd have an artist like Janelle Monae. Like, there, yeah. there's possibility there. Yes. Like, she's starting to really get in this conversation. She she's mm-hmm. taking that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And she's one of those voices who might be speaking to someone else. You know, uh, a guy like Kendrick, I love his record. But maybe you're right on that one. Like, you know, who he's going to be talking to is probably already on his side. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you have the same issue with that, you know, who well, you're course, talking like, to. Of course, like, who posted be... my video NPR? Yeah, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, I, I, we're all pretty firmly in the, right, in the same <laughs> camp. Like, you know, there's no ground being broken yeah. there. That's but how, it has to happen. But it has to happen. But it has to happen. You have to keep doing it, and you have to keep figuring out ways. And that's why I think a coalition mm-hmm. is, the, is the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe four of us don't need to write four separate protest songs. Maybe four of us need to together and write one, mm-hmm. and then... You know, you know what I mean? Right. Like, there's just, I think there's different ways of doing it. We just have to keep trying. You have to keep trying. Yeah. With your life like this, with you an artist, um, with you an activist, mm-hmm. and you're a mother, mm-hmm. do you have to balance that? Do, do you know, uh, you know, I see pictures of you with your babies uh, on the road with you and everything, and I think, you know, one part of me thinks, she looked like she just incorporates it all together and she can pull this off. But there's another part that's like, do, do you have to say... I have to set this aside and I have to just concentrate on this. Like, does that ever... If I was a guy, would you ask me that question? Yeah, I yeah. would. And, and, and I really don't mean that sexually. You know, I'm, you know yeah. and, I'm, I, this, I'm, and I don't mean it in a, in a challenging if, way. If I'm just Dylan curious. was, you know, taking pictures of his kids on the bus and everything, and I'm not against that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Dylan is obviously the first one that comes to mind because he's right. the protest back then. Yeah, I, I, I would have asked that. Like, yeah. you know, does he did he have to say, I can't be Bob Dylan right, right now. I got to be Jacob's dad right, or something right. like that. You yeah, know? no, that's fair enough. Because um, I have, you know, it has been a big, big part of my, my public life is, yeah. you know, my kids. And, and I did that kind of on purpose because, you know, women artists, it's been traditionally very difficult to do the family thing mm-hmm. and the... And the career thing, you know, as a musician, and there's so many examples of, you know, women either not having kids, mm-hmm. being alienated from their kids because they were gone so much. And, you know, you read the biographies and it's really, it's sad, you know. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I'm, I work and I have, I'm fa- you know, and then I have my family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think the success of both is important to, to know when to be mom, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to say, you know, I'm putting my phone away. And I'm not going to do this. And then to know, wait, you know what? I'm going to be with you in an hour because I'm writing this song right now. You got to do it. You know, you have to figure out, but it's no different to anybody else with a career. Sure. You know? I mean, you know, Josh Ritter, or uh, Josh Rouse is in town tonight. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's going through the same thing. It's not protest. It is the job and everything. And I yeah. think that's what really interested me about you is that there is a third aspect. There, there seems to be a strong activist thing in there. It's mm-hmm. like, and that's now that's juggling, not just... Oh hey, I'm out here with a guitar and singer songwriter, but you know, yeah. I'm trying to save the world. And I don't know if you're trying to save the world. I want you to be trying to save the world. I'm projecting that. Well, so. no, I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying. To, I feel like I have a unique vantage point. Yeah. You know, coming from the music that I come from, the research that I do. I mean, I mean, my library is like it's very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of these books, you know. And I think that as a musician, and I'm very, I'm very conscientious. I'm very specific, you know, and mm. I'm very aware of where we are in the continuum and I think that's a, a valuable viewpoint and I think it's one that needs to be heard mm-hmm. you know it's not about like again it's not about me it's about what I'm here to do and the older that I get you know I and mean, the older I get the more I want to say because I'm just like you know what do I, I don't I'm not worried about my career I'm not worried about you know uh anything other than just you know when I when I you know at my last day and I know it's time to go mm-hmm. do I feel good about what I've had to offer you know and, and said things and not be scared to say what I think but also 
I'm a musician and I don't want to confuse. I'm not a public speaker. I'm mm -hmm. not a politician. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a professor. I'm a musician. So I also have to juggle making it work through my music. If I have an artistic statement to make, I'll make it. I'm not going to be on Twitter talking about Trump. Right. You know, because that's not my job. My job is to is to make music. Now, I might, maybe I'll write a song about it. I don't know. Probably not. But um, <laughs> don't tell him if you did, because no, you know it's it's only going to inflate it. I'm more interested in writing a song about Khalif Browder, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. which I've done. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is what I'm more interested in is 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 providing, doing my part to provide voices in a way to to either the voiceless or the ignored or the you know the mm -hmm. people who haven't gotten enough attention, you know, in my own small way, trying to shine a light on, on these stories. That's what I'm here to do. And I'm so happy you are. Rihanna Giddens, thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you. Thanks for the talk. New record is out. Tomorrow's my turn. My thanks to Rihanna Giddens. Again, the newest record with Francesco Teresi is called They're Calling Me Home. And thanks to you for checking out this episode. Please do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Again, you can find us at all the major spots. That does include Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Podchaser, NPR.org, or YouTube, where you can find the video version of this interview as well. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith, over on TikTok at KyleMeredith81. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Rotten Row! It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.